Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Marnie Swedberg, and I welcome you to Marnie and Friends, a place where leaders share practical, helpful, and encouraging ways to get anything important done faster, better, and smarter. Right now, I encourage you to sit back, buckle up, and join us for fun, laughter, practical help, and clear thinking, the kind of discussion that focuses our attention off of the fluff and onto the most important stuff in life. Again, welcome to Marnie's Friends. Let's get going. Hey everybody, this is Marnie and I'm so excited to share this hour with you on this super busy day. I hope your day is going great. And we are going to be talking today about speaker training, high potential communication with our guest, Cloris Kylie. Uh, during the next hour, you are going to learn what high potential communication is, what it's not, and what it can do for you. You'll come to understand the key qualities of a high potential communicator, the role of body language in effective communication, the impact of your choice of words in your ability to persuade others and convey your message, how to overcome any fears related to public speaking, how to be more authentic when interacting with others, the importance of present moment awareness in communication, and why and how to improve your listening skills. Our guest today is Cloris Kylie. She's a personal development author, motivational speaker, radio show host, and coach who's focused on helping you realize your magnificence and live life to the fullest. So welcome to you, Cloris. Thank you, Marnie. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure to be here today. Well, and it's great to have you with us, and I know that you are not a native English speaker. You have great English, but uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you came to America, how you came to speak English, and maybe where your homeland is. Well, I actually uh, came to the United States for college, and um, I was, I'm originally from Venezuela. My, my family uh, has a really broad background. I have uh, some Lebanese in me and some French, some Spanish, some Venezuelan, so I'm a mix of all kinds of uh, all kinds of people, and uh, yeah, I just, just came to the U.S. Went to the University of Connecticut, and I stayed. Uh, I, I love this area; it's a, a beautiful area for everybody who hasn't visited. Oh, that's awesome! And you are working right now as a development, uh, personal development author, motivational speaker, radio show host, and coach. And uh, what did you go to college for? Well, I went, I'm actually, I have an engineering degree, and um, I also went to, for my MBA in marketing. So I have also a very broad background. But, um, you know, that background actually allowed me to be who I am today because as an industrial engineer, I learned how to improve things, how to improve processes and how to make things better. And I'm actually using that knowledge to help people improve their lives. And that's actually part of that knowledge I used to create this, this high potential communication program just, just to help people uh, communicate their best and, and just to um, reach a point at which they're connected with people, they're conveying their ideas with, with power, and people feel compelled to, to follow them and to follow their lead. And um, I would say the marketing, yes, of course, we all have to um, find the best way to convey our ideas. And so all of that I'm using together actually to, um, to, do, or to, yeah, to do what I do today. That's so fun. Good. Well, let's go ahead and dive right in. We've got a lot of ground to cover in the next hour. So let's go ahead and talk about what exactly high potential communication is, what it's not, and what it could do for our listeners. Right. So uh, as I said before, the high potential communication is um, to be at a level at which you can really connect with people. You uh, convey your message in a way that, that people can relate to it that they feel that you actually care about them, and that makes them willing to uh, work with you, to help you. Because, you know, let's face it, Marnie, where none of us can really be on their own and work on their own and, and grow on their own. We need each other. Um, but it, it, so it's a matter to, to work with people, and if you don't know how to convey what you want, if you don't know how to convey your dreams and what you really, really want to achieve, then how can you have people work with you and help you. So that's what the High Potential Communication Program is. That's what you want to achieve, that level at which you feel like you're giving to others, they're giving back to you, and there's a free flow of energy between you and everyone around you. You know, I, um, 
I've heard it said that it's the difference between someone who is a is a very successful communicator and someone who's not as successful is that the person who's not as successful knows what they do, but they aren't able to communicate that to others to help them be able to reproduce it, whereas a successful communicator looks at what's been done or what they're doing that's working, and they're able to communicate the step-by-step process in, in order to make other people able to follow in their footsteps to be able to do that same thing. What is high potential? You know, we're talking about what it is to have high potential communication. What is it not? Well, what is not is just to um, basically give all the information that you have. Uh, we all had these math teachers, especially, who they're really good at math, but they don't know how to explain how to do things. So they write all kinds of formulas and stuff on the board, and then you look at it, you, you copy it down, and then you have no idea what it, what it means. And uh, it happens at all levels in high school and college. Uh, people who really want to teach what they know, but... They really don't know how to convey it. Now, it also happens with, with things that are not really scientific. It could be that you want to explain uh, to somebody your vision or, or the way you feel, but, but somehow you, you cannot do it. So um, I think this applies to day-to-day communication as well. Uh, so what is not to be a high-potential communicator? Yes, it's to provide information and to really not, to not um, be a good listener, to not know what people need. Because that's important. When you talk to somebody, you, you're giving. You're giving of yourself, uh, your, your emotions. You're giving your knowledge. You're giving your gifts. But at the same time, you are receiving something from the other person. So if you're just focused on, on distributing information and, and just touting who you are and what you want to do without really knowing what other people need, then you cannot really communicate effectively. Yeah, I love that. Let's go ahead and talk about the key qualities of high potential communicator. Well, the, I have three key qualities to share. The first one is authenticity. That means to be true to yourself, and I'm sure we'll talk about it in more detail. Also to be enthusiastic and to show that enthusiasm, which, which again, shows through your words and through your body language as well as your presence, like how aware are you of the present moment? And we've all done it again, like we're in the middle of something, somebody comes and talks to us, or we see an email and we want to do everything at the same time. We're thinking about our to-do list and we're not present. So those are the three key qualities of a high potential communicator. But also, if you look at the communication masters, it could be somebody you admire, a speaker or a teacher, or even somebody in your own life who you feel uh, you can really connect to and, and relate to, they, um, they speak with, with confidence. And uh, their confidence comes from uh, competence. Um, competence creates confidence. So people know what they're talking about. Also, they speak with, with um, passion and with care for others. So they, they actually... Um, they, they consider who you are and what you need when they're talking to you. Their message is strong, and they're poised. So, um, again, these are people that you tend to admire, and it's not because they have some sort of degree or, uh, or money or anything. It's, it's because of who they are and the, the message they convey to you. So all of those things come together to create a, a high-potential communicator. I've seen you speak, Marnie, and I see that those high-potential traits, so anybody who watches one of your speeches can see that you really care about your audience. You, you tailor your content to your audience. You call them up on stage and you have them participate. It's not just you giving information, and, and you're authentic. You're right there with the people, and that's, that's what makes a high-potential communicator who it, he is. Well, thank you for that. And yeah, I love to do that. And one of the things that I've always said, and we're going to talk about a little bit later, we're going to talk about overcoming your fears with public speaking. But in the training that I've done with speakers, I always say that one of the biggest reasons that people are afraid to speak is because they aren't doing just these three things that you're talking about to be a high potential communicator. Either, and I think the biggest one is where the confidence and competence comes. A lot of times someone is standing up in front of a group and they're talking about a topic 
that they really don't know that well. So they just put this talk together for this group, but they're not really comfortable with it to the degree where they could relax with it. And so, and I don't know, maybe you can address this too a minute, Cloris, but I always say, you know, you want to pick topics where you are comfortable with it. You really know this topic inside and out. You are an expert on it. And of course, that doesn't mean you know everything about it. Nobody could ever know everything about something. But you really know a lot about it to the point where you would feel comfortable if people asked you questions because you would probably know the answer or you would know where to find the answer. And to me, that's where the authenticity also comes in because you're speaking from something that you've already lived or experienced or you've been training or researching for years and you're really comfortable with the subject matter and you can honestly just relax. And what I always say is play with the space. When I'm speaking, I like to uh, you know, use the phrase playing with the space where I'm there and we're together, the audience is there and I'm there and we're together and we're just having fun learning and exploring something that may be new to them but is one of my favorite things to talk about. So that's, that's what I try to do when I speak and when I train. So maybe just uh, address that when a speaker has put together a talk maybe that is not something they're really familiar with what do you feel like, um, you know, is there a way to actually be authentic, be confidence competence when you aren't very familiar with the content? Well, I would say, Marnie, that um, it's important that preparation and practice are key elements of, of giving a good speech and actually talking about any topic. And you can create that competence by doing your research and by talking to experts in the field. I would say a lot of successful people actually um, go and interview others who have that experience that they don't have. And then they learn from them. And by by talking to their audiences about what they learned, they are being authentic. They say, you know, I interviewed all these people, and this is, this is what they had to say. So uh, you can still be authentic when you haven't experienced something, but when you have learned it from someone else. And I would say it's important no matter what, whether you have done your research through some other people or you have experienced whatever it is that you're talking to, that, that you practice what you're going to say. Uh, you would never show up to an interview not having prepared or knowing about the job or the company. So the same thing applies to, I think, everything in life. If, you're, if you really want to to be a powerful communicator, you definitely have to know your topic. And it's something that we can all create, we can all learn quickly. If, if it's something that we're passionate about, which is an important element also of, of being a high potential communicator. I love that. I have a great example. A few years ago for uh, Valentine's Day, I did a uh, blog post and then I turned it into a parchment that people could actually print out on parchment paper and put it on their wall, even frame it or whatever. But it was the, um, the 12 keys of lifelong lasting love. And so I went and I did research and I found 12 couples that had been married each over 50 years, some of them 70 years. And I just learned from them. Each of them had a key and I put them all together and that was just a wonderful topic for me to communicate. Now, I didn't know all that stuff myself, um, but I found people who did know it. It was a topic I was interested in myself. We've been married, my husband and I, 31 years now, and we want to stay married for 50 or 70 years. So I was really interested in the topic, which made it authentic. And I was enthusiastic about it because it was Valentine's Day and I wanted to share some love you know, long-lasting love tips with um, everybody that I know and with myself. And then the confidence and competence came from actually interviewing other people who were farther down the road with me. So I love that. That was a great answer and a really good tip for the times when you have to present something that you are not the expert on. That's how to get there. Love that. Well, Cloris, let's go on and talk about the role of body language and effective communication because this is really huge. Do you, I, I've heard statistics about how much of um, the communication is actually body language and not words, but uh, you go ahead and, and share with us what you have right here. Well, yes, uh, I'm sure most of us have actually read about those um, research studies or uh, just knowing that most of our communication is our body language, is our gestures, is the tone that we use to say something. 
and um, it shows like your what you really want to convey shows through your gestures and this is so important because if you don't have the right body language how can you convey your passion and your enthusiasm uh, yes you could feel it but nobody would be able to 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 sense that so it's important that you have body language that matches your message and that matches your emotions too. And I know this feels like it's something that should be easy to do, but it's actually not um, for many people. Maybe because they're thinking about, oh, um, what, what I think people are going to think of me or I'm in a, a very important meeting, I have to look my best. So they, um, they get those thoughts that block their ability to let their body language just flow, flow effortlessly. It's just like we are on the dance floor and then the music plays. If we're thinking about the steps and do I need to step to the right or turn, of course the, the dance will be a disaster. But if we just let our body move according to the, to the music and we just relax into it, the movements come. And that's what having a, a powerful body language is. It's something that is not affected, something that you're not creating out of the book that you read. It's something that comes out of you naturally. Now, um, body language has many elements to it, and um, I would say posture is very important, um, as well as, as your gestures, your, your facial expressions, your, um, the eye contact that you make with the people that you're talking to. So all of those things are I think, I think it's important to know, to be aware of, so you incorporate them and they are part of, of your, your speaking and, and your communication. Something that I recommend to my audiences is to uh, grab a video camera and uh, record yourself. Just, just say something, you know, two or three minutes, record yourself, and then watch that video. And it'll be eye-opening. <laughs> I can tell you that because the first time I did it, I caught so many mannerisms that I had that were really taken away from my message. And I said, oh, my goodness, this is not what I wanted to convey. So I actually I was aware of it, so I changed some of those things, and it made me a, a better communicator. It made, it made me a more powerful speaker. I love that, and that is exactly what happened with me too. Um, I remember the first time I set up a video and recorded, I was actually getting ready for a TV segment on a home show, and so I wanted to just make sure how everything looked on the table in front of me, you know, on the counter and everything. And what I saw was I saw me with my arms crossed in kind of a standoffish way, you know, and I was like, oh, I don't want to look like that. And another thing I was thinking when you were talking, too, is again, with your body language, it's important for you to be authentic. So what you won't, don't want to do is you don't want to be um, using body language or gestures or facial expressions that are um, going to stop people from wanting to watch you. So you're going to want to pay attention to that. But on the other side, you're not going to try to be somebody else. You really want to, again, be authentically you. So one of my examples that I used here is uh, I was at a concert and it was clear, to, and this was a this was a Grammy winning um, musician, and it was clear to me that she was was not comfortable dancing, but when she would come out between everything, every time she would come back onto the stage, she would begin by dancing, and she'd sing and she'd dance, but then within about three or four minutes, she would reduce the dancing to just very minor moves, and then she would sing the rest of the time until that set was over, and then she'd go off, then she'd come back out, and she'd remember, I have to dance. So she danced again for three or four minutes, and then she would kind of devolve into her natural state of affairs, which was pretty much standing still singing. Okay, so what I learned from watching that was that it's really okay to be yourself. And apparently somebody was telling her, you have to dance, because she would try. She would get out there and she would try to be something she wasn't. She would try to dance around, but really she was not a dancer. So my encouragement to you is just for you to know who you are, what is okay for you to do, how you can stress yourself, but if you can't become something you're not, that's okay. Don't worry about that. Just do the best you can with what you've got and be comfortable with that. Cloris, when you think about body language, what are some of the biggest mistakes that people make? 
I would say actually one of the mistakes could be to be too self-conscious of your body language. <laughs> so then uh-huh. you forget about your message <laughs> because you're trying to look good. Just like you said about this performer, maybe she didn't do her best just because she was focusing on the dancing. So it's important to just to relax into it. And um, at the same time, though, you want to be uh, conscious of body language that is closed, um, that, that conveys that you're not really there with, or that you're nervous, that you're not there with the audience. So it could be crossing your arms. or A, a very common um, gesture, not gesture, but posture that people have is that they grab onto one wrist with the opposite hand. So it's just saying that, okay, you're not really safe, you feel somebody to help you out, and it doesn't really um, help you convey, like, openness and uh, just a relaxed environment. Because when people sense that you're stressed out, they also become stressed. Again, we're all uh, beings of energy, so we we feed from each other. So it's important that you do that. And um, another mistake that people make is when they make eye contact, they um, it's, it's a hard eye contact, so they keep it on one person for a long time. And why, why are they doing that? Because they're self-conscious about keeping eye contact. So they go, oh, I have to do this. So they stare at somebody for a minute, and the poor person feels pretty like on the spot. <laughs> so it's important that, that your moments are fluid and that you feel that you have any distracting mannerisms. So let's say that some people put some change in their pocket and they, they make noise with it as they walk around and they, they jingle the coins. So if you tend to do that, then just be conscious of that and, and try to keep your hands away from your pockets. Uh, something that I did once, I, I was giving this speech for Toastmasters, and I had to write on, um, on a white erased board. So I had this marker, and I would write something, and then I had to, to talk about it. So I kept playing with that marker, like um, uncapping the marker. <laughs> so then at the end, somebody gave me that as a, as a feedback. And I said, oh, my goodness, I had no idea I had been doing that. So a lot of those things are um, subconscious. So it's important to uh, be aware of them and so, so we don't repeat them. And uh, something actually that I wanted to share is that we can use our body language to help us feel more confident, which is, I think is, is amazing. <laughs> it's, it's something that um, some of the listeners might have um, already seen. And it's um, the second most watched TEDx video is a video by a psychologist Amy Cuddy. And she talked about the power pose. So power pose is that, and, and like the, the Wonder Woman pose, or the pose in which you raise your arms in a V for victory. And if you hold that pose for as little as two minutes, your cortisol levels decrease. But that was a study that she did by 25%. And uh, your testosterone levels which make you more courageous and, and aggressive in a good way, improve by 20%. So imagine those body changes that you experience just by changing your pose. So that is powerful information that we can use. And maybe when we're going to give a speech or, or face some sort of a stressful conversation, we can do that power pose and just feel more, more confident and, yes, more powerful. Also, there, there have been other studies um, in which people smile even if they're feeling really sad. And, and yes, their cortisol levels drop. They feel a little happier. So why not? <laughs> Next time you don't feel so good, why don't you try smiling for a, a few seconds and see if you feel better. It works for me, so I definitely recommend it. That's so great. There are a couple things there that I wanted to um, piggyback off of. One is the power pose to actually um, put your body in a position. I would call it physiology. You're changing your body's position to change how you feel. And one of the things you find is when you're scared or nervous, you oftentimes will close down a little bit. The shoulders come in a little bit. The breathing gets a little more labored. And if you will just put the shoulders back, put the head up, allow the air to flow a little more freely, then you have this power pose more or less and you're allowing your body to go forward also you know before I start every single blog talk radio show here every single um, you know group coaching whatever I do I always put a smile on I just always automatically put a smile and now I'm not smiling right now 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 I am smiling and you can hear the difference in my voice can't you my voice actually smiles right 
That is right. I, I can definitely sense it. I think everybody can. <laughs> right. And when you're in front of an audience, the more you smile, the more you will endear yourself to them because they uh, actually, you know, you don't get a ton of smiles in your life. Um, a lot of people are serious. A lot of things are serious. And smiles are very precious to us. We love to be smiled at. We love to have someone. A uh, smile is a, an indication of acceptance and appreciation, of joy. And when someone smiles at us, it makes us feel better. It makes us want to smile. So if you are not getting the kind of feedback from your audience that you want to, just change your physiology and change your face. And all of a sudden, something else might be happening there. Before we move on here, oh, yeah, I had two more things here. First of all, just in the same way that you can do a power pose, one of the best strategies for especially new speakers, but all speakers, is to start with a strong story. So a story that you are really comfortable with. Now obviously it has to match your topic, but if you start with a weak story or with an illustration that you're not too comfortable with or with a joke that might flop, that's not a great way to start a speech. A great way to start is to come out with a story that you love or maybe a joke that you laughed really hard at the first time. And that's, Clarice, this is just kind of not a body language thing, but high potential communication. Years ago, I figured out that the way to decide if you can pull off a joke is by how hard you laughed the first time you heard it. So it doesn't matter if everybody in the world thinks it's funny. If you authentically thought it was really funny the first time you heard it, you'll be able to tell that joke well. And others will laugh just because of how much you enjoyed it, even if they don't find it hysterically funny. So I love yeah. that strategy and the starting with a strong story. Yes, stories are so powerful. That, that's one of the things I learned from Cheryl Richardson. She says, if, if you, the best way to teach anything, absolutely anything, is through a story. Because any topic, we can go ahead and research it and read about it on the Internet. You know, why would we need a speaker to tell us something? Well, the power of a story is there. That's the power of blogs. People who are actually um, uh, teaching what, what they know based on their own experience. And it really draws us in. I mean, a story is really, really powerful. Absolutely. Um, so keep a collection. Keep, keep jotting down stories. Uh, put them either in a file somewhere or maybe in your phone under notes or something where you can keep stories and go back and always have a fun story to, not necessarily fun, sometimes they're um, heartbreaking or whatever kind of story, but stories are very powerful. And get comfortable with your stories so that you can really tell them uh, with a lot of conviction and expression and authenticity. Before we leave the body language um, section here, I did want to just talk about, and it doesn't really go in here, but I don't know where else to put this. I wanted to talk about dressing correctly for a talk. One of the biggest mistakes that a new speaker will make is that she will go and purchase an outfit just for this talk. And I want to just discourage you from doing that. I, I want you to wear something that feels like home to you. Now, I don't mean your sweatpants, but I do mean something that you are comfortable in. You know exactly how it's going to move with you. Um, earlier, of course, you used the phrase being fluid. And your clothing, what you wear, really affects this. And if you're wearing something that makes you feel tight or confined, that you're not sure you're going to be able to squat down in without ripping it, uh, you know, that you don't know if you can put your hands over your head when all of a sudden you feel like you want to because maybe, you know, maybe it's not going to stretch that way, uh, you won't be as authentic as you would be if you had something on that you were already very familiar with and that you're comfortable in and that you know you look great in the best you can and that you already know how that's going to behave in any given situation. That's what I encourage you. Wear something like that when you go to speak. Uh, of course, besides that, is there anything else that you can think of in this body language part about our bodies and communication? Well, I would say um, that I, I agree with you that the, the way you present yourself is important and the, the outfit that you select, that is part of your body language because it, it becomes part of, of the, the image that you give to people. So they create a, 
that first impression right when they see you. So it's important to wear something also that represents who you are, uh, just as authentic as your message. So don't try to wear something that is super formal if you feel like you're more of, you know, of a relaxed person and, uh, you know, don't, don't try to wear something that it really isn't you because it will prevent you from, from being completely authentic when you are in front of an audience. Yeah, right. So always just wear your, most, your, your best option within the confines of what you should be wearing. Just choose your best thing. And if you need to buy a new outfit, buy it early enough that you have time to get familiar with it and become old friends before you get on stage. Okay, let's go on and talk about the impact of our choice of words and our ability to persuade others and convey a message. Um, words are, of course, so important. Um, you used the word earlier in this program, fluid, and I, I wrote that down and I love that word. That, that word just says, you know, I said play with the space and fluid. Mm -hmm. These kind of phraseologies get in our head and they go home with us afterwards and it changes how we think about something. So let's talk a little bit more about words and how to choose words that are perfect for the situation. Yeah, definitely. But there's one, one thing I'd like to start with is, is to say when somebody listens to you speak, um, they, they will hear many, many things. And it's likely that only a, one of those things will really stay with them. So before you give a speech or before you communicate with anybody, just ask yourself, what is the one thing? The one thing that I want them to take away at the end of this speech, at the end of this conversation, or at the end of this meeting. And then select that one word that represents that message. And it's important that you actually say this word several times throughout the speech or the conversation so the person feels that that's the message. Again, it's something that, that repetition and, and creating your stories around that word and around that theme will make your message a lot more powerful. Also, the, the choice of words that you have to convey your message either make you an enthusiastic person in the eyes of others or kind of like a boring person that they, they can't really relate to. And um, words that convey enthusiasm are action-related. So let's say that I'm telling you, oh, Marnie, I'm, I'm launching a new course. I'm so excited about it. Or I say, my course is beginning today. Um, what, is, what is better? It's probably the first because you can visualize that launching process. Also, uh, powerful words evoke um, emotion, right? We, we can relate to that much better. So if you're going to describe your dreams to somebody, doesn't it sound a lot more inspiring than if you say, oh, I have a, some, these goals I want to achieve? No, but you describe dreams, and dreams evoke emotion. They evoke positive emotion. Also, powerful words appeal to, to people's senses. So if you say, oh, I have this bright idea, isn't that compelling? Versus saying, oh, I have a good idea. Yes, it's nice to have a good idea, but it's, it's much more, more powerful to have a bright idea. <laughs> and um, also you have to be uh, very specific, though, when you convey your ideas. You can just not just say, um, oh, yeah, I have a new project and it's going to be great. Okay, that's, that's very vague. What is it that you want? What specifically you want to, to achieve and, and when? So if you give a lot of details, it's just like giving a story, right? When, you, when you're telling a story, you want to tell people about the environment and the weather that day and the people you saw and all the visual imagery. You want to be as detailed as you can so your story actually is remembered. If you say your story in 10 seconds, Oh, yesterday I went and I ran a red light and I got a ticket. That's not as exciting as telling, oh, I was listening to the music and I didn't see this red light. And, and then I hear a siren and, and a police officer pulled me over. And so you, you tell all this story and you're much more compelling. You know, it's, it's right back to story again, though. You can, you can state the facts or you can tell it in a story. One way is going to be much less effective than the other. That is right. That is right. So I would say every time you're going to convey something, and this doesn't have to be in a, in a speaker setting, you could also be writing something, writing an article, a blog post. Right. Make sure that you use the same kind of language. Yeah, love it. So 
I love how you said action words evoke emotions, and that's so true where you've got the activity going on instead of just the factual details going on. That's great. Let's talk about um, being afraid. You know, this is maybe a little over, you know, people say the number one fear is fear of speaking, and it's like probably not, probably the number one fear is dying or something like that. But um, a lot of people really are very scared of speaking. And I just did a boot camp with speakers last, uh, maybe two weeks ago now, and a lot of speakers are very scared of contacting um, bookers. We're, we all have different fears related to this communication thing. And what do, you, what do you feel like is the number one source or cause of fear in communication? Well, in my experience, I've, I've been with Toastmasters for many years, and in my experience is the rejection that you expect you might get from people. So what if they don't like my speech? What if they think I'm a poor speaker? So people, um, I guess, worry of what others will think of them is the number one fear. I would say that another powerful fear is to forget about your message. So let's say that you're in the middle of your speech and all of a sudden you forget. <laughs> so then what do you do? So all of those, I think those two key elements produce a lot of fear in people, but they don't have to be that way. If you uh, realize that, well, first of all, everybody who's listening to you wants you to succeed. Everywhere you are, it is true. If you go to a speech, do you want the speaker to make a mistake? No, no. You never do that, right? So all the people who are listening to you want you to do well. So think about that to overcome that fear of rejection and also to realize that, yes, it's impossible to be liked by 100% of the people. I always tell um, my audiences that when you go to a YouTube uh, video and you see um, all the 100,000 thumbs up, there's always a lot of thumbs down. So not everybody likes you or will like you. So it's important to keep that in mind, but also to realize that people in the audience want you to succeed. And then, uh, yes, if you could forget your, your topic only if you haven't researched it enough, because what happens is when you have that competence and you know about your topic, even if um, at some point you kind of draw a blank for a few seconds, it will come back to you. And also you'll be a lot more confident, so the stress hormones will be lower and you won't experience something like that. Yeah, right. And I think uh, another big fear of public speaking is of being misunderstood. So you're trying to communicate something and maybe somebody misunderstands you. And I think once again, it's like with the other fears, um, there is that possibility. That's actually a possibility. So just come to grips with it and say, it's possible that when I tell this story, someone will think I was proud or someone will think I was an idiot or somebody <laughs> will think something else that I'm not trying to say. But uh, that it's okay because you can't perfectly communicate to every person. They're all listening from their own life experience. So what you want to do is you want to communicate it as best as you can and then mm -hmm. just let go, let go, and let it be received how it is. And even, you know, sometimes afterwards someone will come and say something to you. Uh, one of my favorite ways to improve is to really listen to what people say to me afterwards if they ask for clarification. I was doing something a while back, Cloris, I was um, uh, doing a, a little a little snippet of a story. But then afterwards, a couple people said, what was the rest of the story? And I thought, mm -hmm. oh, it's important for me to include that whole story because I was losing my audience at the point of um, going on without telling the rest of the story. And they felt like they'd been chipped out of the whole story. So I think it's important for us to just listen to what people say and as they give mm -hmm. us feedback and then just make the adjustments and go forward. But don't worry about getting it all perfect the first time out. I don't even know if that's possible. You're just going to do mm -hmm. the best you can and, and be okay and then take feedback as a gift. That's correct. I also would add that if you're really, really afraid of, of public speaking, um, a good way to change what you think is possible for yourself, because that might be a problem to you, feel like, oh, I'm just not a public speaker, I wasn't born that way, it's, it's not my personality, then a good way is to expose yourself to small risks to speak in public in which you will be successful. 
So let's say that somebody needs a short toast of a, for a minute, and you you know you volunteer and you give it a toast, or uh, if you are sitting at a meeting and and somebody wants some input or just to ask a question, then you go ahead and raise your hands and, and raise your hand and ask a question. So those small risks that you can actually feel good about the result and you go, oh, I did it, that slowly starts changing that concept of yourself. So for those beginner beginner speakers, I think it's a great thing to do to just to um, expose yourself to small opportunities to speak and then see how you do, feel good about what you the, th- the good things you did, keep track of it, be aware of it, and uh, slowly you will feel that, yes, this is possible for me, and that will make you a, a confident speaker in time. Everything takes, of course, some time and practice, but I think that that's a great way to, to change any limiting belief that we might have. Love that. That is such great advice. Really good. Let's talk a little bit more about being authentic when interacting with others. Hmm. Well, being authentic is another one of the the keys to be a high potential communicator. Why? Because yes, if you're not authentic, then you cannot really relate. Like people cannot really relate to you. So it's important that that you let your yourself shine through. There's, I rarely watch TV, but there's this show that caught my attention, and it's called The Next Food Network Star. Right? So they, they have all these chefs competing to have the next show on the, the Food Network, and they have all these challenges. So uh, they're down to the, three, the last three people, the three finalists, and they had the opportunity to create a pilot for a show. So it's a short pilot, about two minutes each. So all of the chefs made the same mistake. They were so nervous about doing the best and about getting the show. It means everything to them that they were all really rigid. You just saw them. Nobody would ever watch that show. So that was the comment from, from the coach. It's like, hey, you have to be yourself. Don't you enjoy cooking? Go ahead and enjoy yourself. You're doing what you love to do. And once they did this, then... That was the, their best. The best performance was when they were, they were enjoying themselves. So if, if you're passionate about something and you feel that, those, um, that, that fear of being accepted or, or the possible consequences of what you say are going to be, uh, try to push that aside and just say, okay, I'm just going to enjoy myself, right? I'm doing something that I'm passionate about. I'm talking about something that I, I care about and that I want people to, to hear, so I'm just going to show that passion, and if somebody doesn't like it, well, that's too bad because rejection, again, is, is part of life. So it's important that, that we are guided by what we're passionate about. And not only that, but also guided by our values. And so once you do, when you do something that is aligned with, with what you really believe, something that, that is um, close to, to who you are, that you're giving of yourself, then you're much more likely to be authentic. And that's why I recommend to people that they sit down and they say, okay, what, why, why am I doing this? Why am I giving this talk? And uh, what is important to me? How can I convey that? If uh, caring for other people is important to me, how am I conveying that I care about them? So list all the things that are important to you. Let your message be guided by your values, your body language, and then you'll be much more authentic. I mean, we all know the story of uh, Brene Brown, who um, she became a best-selling author after that speech that she gave about authenticity. And her story is, she said at the beginning, I was going to give this speech that it was okay, it was true, but I felt nervous about it. I wasn't being myself. And then she said, she was like, I think something happened to her that day. She said, I'm just going to say whatever I want to say. I'm not going to worry about what I'm wearing that much. And she just stepped on stage and gave her message. And it was so authentic that she had millions of viewers, and now she's a best-selling author. So it's just a matter of, of let our, our own self shine through. I love that. That is such great advice. And I love the illustration of the cooking show pilot 
um, when all of them made the same mistake because it is the normal mistake. The normal mistake is to try to impress people. That's the normal mistake. And it's not that we should try to, you know, offend people or, you know, obviously that wouldn't be a wise thing to do either. But from the position, and you can hear my train going by here in the background, but from the position of being authentically you, what is it that you can share that's going to really make a difference in the lives of your listeners? And some of those things are going to be your own life experiences. That's where your stories are coming from. It's from what you've experienced, from what really caused you to laugh really hard or to cry. Um, those things are going to be what is going to make you memorable and make you a favorite uh, speaker or writer. And so to, to go where you feel that you can go and be truly yourself. I, that is just so, so important. And it just dovetails right into the next point, which is the importance of being present in the moment. Oh, Chloris, this is so important. And so many people miss this one. So let's talk about how to be present in the moment, why that we should, um, some strategies for when somebody has a hard time to do that. <laughs> well, yes, presence is such an essential element, as you said, and it's something that is hard for us to do because we are being pulled in so many different directions. Uh, let's say that you know, we're on the computer, as I said, somebody calls, and we try to do our emails while we're taking the call, or we go to a meeting or actually give a speech and we're thinking about the broken pipe in the basement or whatever we have to do next. So it is it's very difficult to be present just because we have so many things around us just, just getting our attention. But it's important, though, because if you don't do that, then, well, first of all, you won't be able to be effective at all the things that you're doing. You won't be multitasking. You will just be doing many things in, in a mediocre way, basically. Um, so if you're writing an email, just be write that email and focus on the message. If you're taking a phone call, just forget about anything else and just focus on that person. Give that person your undivided attention when you're giving a speech. If for, for a moment, just for a moment, your attention goes away, which could happen, the audience can actually feel that. There's a, mm -hmm. a, a, a change in the energy and the air that people can feel. And they don't know what it is, but something shifts and then you won't be as effective. So it's important that you're fully present, that when, when you are, when you're there, it's because you are there 100%. And if you watch any of those great speakers, you know, they're all there. They're all 100% with their message, 100% with their audience. They, they don't care about the way they look or how their message is going to come through or what they're going, the reviews they're going to get after the speech. No, they're there. They're present. This applies to personal communication when you interact with your, with your family, with your friends. Same thing. Just be present. It's a gift that you're giving to others, and you see how they return it to you as well. It is. And, it, you know, I love – I just want to go back because you said they don't care about how they look or what like that. Okay, so – when you're doing that, the time to be present with how you look is not when you're giving your talk. It's before you give your talk, when you're backstage, when you're in the restroom, when you're getting ready. That's the time to be aware of how you look. When you're choosing the outfit at home, that's the time to be aware of how you're going to look. But once you get on the stage, when you, once you get out in front of the audience, the last thing you should be thinking about is how you look. That is... That's no history. You, you look how you look. <laughs> so now you need to be aware of what's going on on their faces to be, if, you know, if you're in a small enough group where you can see faces, um, be watching. Do they look shocked and horrified and you didn't mean them to? Well, <laughs> that would be a good time to just pause a moment and explain what you meant there. Or were they all supposed to laugh and nobody cracked a smile? Okay, you probably need to work on that little piece of it a little bit more. In a larger audience where you, do, you, you can't see a single face, you can feel the energy in the air. And just like what you said, when the speaker goes away, mentally leaves, thinking, I wonder why that person walked out the back door right now, instead of about what they're saying, uh, the, the, the rest of the audience can feel that shift. And you as a speaker, even if you cannot see their faces, you can sense 
if they are with you. And you can sense if you need to do something and change it up. One of the things that I like to encourage speakers to do is change it up at least every three to eight minutes. Uh, we have very short attention spans as a culture. Uh, we're used to really, you know, one-minute videos, 30-second commercials. Uh, it's very tough for us to just sit and listen to somebody talk for 40 minutes or something. You know, we just aren't used to doing that. And if you can change it up by either telling a story, telling a joke, um, different, put a different PowerPoint up, have somebody come and do illustration with you on the platform, ask, ask them to raise their hands, ask them to, um, ask them to stand up if they've had something happen to them. You know, just whatever way that you can do to keep them engaged with you, to keep them alert and on track with you, just as hard as it is for you to stay in the moment, that's how hard it is for them to stay with you in the moment. They've got lots of things on their minds. It's a hard job as a speaker to keep everybody engaged. And uh, so you want to be aware of that. What are some other things like with being present in the moment, um, is, is there any kind of a strategy that you've heard of for somebody who really struggles with this? Well, I would say it's, it's important that you focus on your audience, right? Like you said, if you're thinking about something else, you won't be able to feed from your audience um, because when you see the, the gestures that they have, their, their body language, and just the energy that they, um, they are feeding to you, you can modify what you're saying a little bit or to explain it a little better. So I think it's focusing on the audience and just kind of paying attention and, and caring about what, what they're giving back to you will allow you to be more present. I would say if, if, you're, if you feel your mind wandering, then just immediately bring it back to where you are. You can have a mantra, okay, I'm here, I'm present, I am now, uh, whatever works for you to, to bring yourself to that moment. Also something that works is to use your senses, right? Because let's say that we are, we're in a room, if we start focusing on the, the feeling of our, our feet on the ground, we're immediately present. If we focus on how the air feels, the air temperature, is, this, is it cool, is it, then, again, we're present. If we focus on the colors around us and just try to find something blue, then, that's, again, we're present. So once we engage our senses, we can bring ourselves back to the present moment really quickly. So it's something that I recommend, too. Just, just use your senses. What does it smell like here? What are the sounds around me? And then you'll quickly go back to the present. That is a, I've never heard that one, but that makes so much sense, and that is a great strategy. So if you have a problem staying present in the moment, whenever you recognize that your mind is now wandering, whether you're listening or speaking, and your mind is now wandering from what's going on, just say, what, what color do I see right now? What am I feeling right now? Like, is the air cold or hot? Um, where are my feet? <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> Just bring something very uh, specific back in the sensory zone, and that will help bring you back. One of the other things that I do is when I am – so occasionally as a speaker, uh, you may say something that is going to cause your audience's minds to go a different place from where you're planning to take them. So for example, I have a wonderful story that I tell, and it's an illustration, but I don't have time to tell it here today. But I have a wonderful story that I tell about something that happened to me in my garden. Okay, And I always begin this story by saying, I'm not a gardener. But my husband is a gardener. And one day, and then I go on. Okay, so. What I know, though, is that when I'm speaking in a rural community that has a lot of women who really love to garden, as soon as the words come out of my mouth, I am not a gardener, right then I know that I'm going to lose my audience unless I say something more. So if I'm in a big city with professional women downtown, I don't have to worry about saying I'm not a gardener. <laughs> but... If I'm in a rural community with a bunch of farmers' wives, I have to be aware that I'm going to lose them right there. So what I do in a situation like this, and this is just an analogy. This is going to happen to you in different settings depending on who you're speaking to. So when I tell that same illustration story, when I'm with a group that are probably a lot of gardeners, I say, I'm probably going to lose half of you right now, but I want you to stay with me. Okay, I know you guys love to garden, but I'm not a gardener. Now right there, I've told them, 
you're going to have a problem here because I'm going to make your mind wander, but I want you to stay with me. And because you're my friend, and I don't say that part, but because you're my friend now and we've been having fun so far, I want you to stay with me. So I just say I recognize this is going to be harder for you, but here's what I need you to do. And guess what? Then they stay with me and they hear the whole story and they get it. And so that's your job. Your job is not only to help you stay present, but to help your audience stay present with you. Kyle, or Cloris, we are coming. I was calling you your middle name there. We are coming to the end of the hour here, Cloris, and we want to talk a little bit here at the end about the listening skills. And before you um, launch into this part, I just want to say that it's not appropriate all the time, and I don't always do it. But one of the most powerful parts of the talks that I give is the Q&A that I do afterwards. And I allow questions and answers in most settings. There obviously are larger settings that just that cannot work. But even in a pretty large setting, you can have microphones at the front on um, a couple, three different aisles or whatever, and people can come up to and stand in line at a microphone and ask you questions. And what I have found is that this question and answer time is so endearing to the audiences. They love it that I would let them talk or someone representing them as a peer in the audience. And so what are some keys to really listening, uh, not only in a Q&A session, obviously that's critically important that you listen well then, but also at any time. What are some keys? Well, I would say the, the most important key is to uh, eliminate all judgment. When you listen to that question, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's easy to, to judge the question based on what, what the information that is in your subconscious mind. So it's important just to, uh, to be as objective as possible. And in any setting, when somebody tells you something, just try to uh, push away all those thoughts that immediately come to you judging the comment and judging the person. And uh, just try to be open, ha- have an open mind. Uh, that's, that's part of, of really um, being open to, to the ideas and to giving information that is valuable. As, as a speaker, it's important that you repeat the question just to make sure that you understood what the person wants to say. And this happens also in, in regular communication. You say, okay, so what you want to know is this and that. I think the person feels understood. The person feels that you care about their question. And uh, you're much more likely to actually answer what they want you to answer because maybe you're wrong. Maybe it's, it's something, something else that they want to know. So it's important that you do that as well, that you're present, right? We, talk about, we talked about presence and, and just being there with the people. Well, when you, when you listen, guess what you're doing? You're being present. You, when you actually notice people's gestures. Um, you, you notice uh, what they say, and, and, and you, you don't have uh, something else in, in, your, in your mind that prevents you from really understanding what they want to say. So it's important that you're there. Avoid predicting what they're going to say next, which happens to all of us. Oh, I know what he's going to say. You say that really quickly in a couple of milliseconds in your mind, and you just complete their sentence, right? So just really try to be 100% listening to every word they say, and then you're much more, much more likely to answer the question in the way um, that they, they want you to, to answer it. That's fantastic. Those are such great tips. And of course, staying present is just critical. A lot of times what's happening is that you're thinking about what you're going to say next instead of listening to what they're go- they're saying. And that's just a definite, um, no, no, can't do that. You need to be listening to what they're saying so that you can respond to them. And the more you make your conversation about the other person, the more you're likely to um, have a friend when you're done. It's it's really people like you to care about them. And uh, the more you do that, the better they'll like it. Cloris, we are at the end of the hour here. We have about a minute left. I just want to let people know how they can find you. You have a website, and that's over at chloriskiley.com, and that's Chloris is C-L-O-R-I-S, Kylie K-Y-I-L-I-E-K-Y-L-I-E, chloriskiley.com. And uh, Chloris, if people go over there, maybe very briefly, what will they find there? Well, they'll find information about my blog, which uh, I write every week. Also, I have my own radio show, Magnificent uh, Times, so they can check it out there. Um, I have information about my book and my online courses. Uh, there's some uh, free uh, uh, training going on right now, so I invite you to just take a look and see maybe there's something that can help you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Marnie. such a blessing to be with you today.
And thank you all for being here. wouldn't be a program if we didn't have listeners. So thank you for your participation. Look forward to seeing you back here next week. And in the meantime, I hope that you will have high potential communication with everyone you meet this week. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.